0: The left is a destructive force in Western civilization, and the country will not survive four more years of the left. Hillary Clinton means nothing to me it is all about the left she is utterly interchangeable with joe biden with with uh with with uh Elizabeth Warren they are interchangeable it doesn't matter if they were all uh, taken away by extraterrestrials, a a whole new group would come in and it would be equally destructive. I never spent time on Hillary Clinton. I always speak about the left and it is one of my great annoyances with the Republican party that it does not understand that the left is the problem. Most conservatives don't understand, they, they attack individual candidates now, if you're running for Congress, you obviously have to attack your opponent. I understand that. But none of them attack the left. The left is destroying Western civilization, and it intends to destroy Western civilization. It, it is not coincidental. It is not a byproduct of leftism. It is the end game of leftism. The, the, there is no area of life that it has not played an utterly destructive role. Take the arts. Let's take the, do you know what the latest exhibit at the Guggenheim museum, one of the most sophisticated museums, richest museums in the Western world is the latest, biggest thing at the Guggenheim in Manhattan is an all gold toilet bowl. I will speak about the scatological. The left has a particular affection for the scatological. And I, and I have, I have a theory as to why. But, uh, the, this is the, 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 not only is it an all gold toilet, it is a functioning toilet. And patrons of the Guggenheim then use it. You, you pay a fee and then you either urinate or defecate in the all gold toilet. Now, guess what the name of the exhibit is? Sorry. Close. No, that is close. I want you to think for a moment. I normally don't do this with an audience. I want you to think, what is it the left loathes the most? Well, there's actually, a, 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 there are a few. Anyway, I'm sorry. Close. I yeah. God would, America. The name of the exhibit is America. You can literally shit on America. That is the latest feature of the Guggenheim Museum. The left is evil. If you don't understand, that doesn't mean everyone with a left wing view is evil. If that were true, most of my extended family, I am Jewish after all, would, uh, I would consider evil. But I know they're not evil. I know that many of them are wonderful. It is possible to be a wonderful person and support a vile cause. It is one of the most difficult things to understand. Nevertheless, it is true. Humans are complex. I'm not interested in defaming everyone with a left-wing view. I am interested in defaming the left and leftism. And uh, the conservative world has not done that. It has not made the contrast. The left is not the enemy. Candidate X is the enemy. Candidate Y is the enemy. Democrat Z is the enemy. But not leftism. If you don't understand that leftism is, is destroying Western civilization, you're not in the ball game. You are irrelevant to conservatism. Irrelevant. You mean well, you're kind, you're wonderful, you have a great family life, and you're irrelevant. It is like fighting World War II, but not fighting the Nazis or Japan. You're fighting diphtheria in Guatemala. That's a wonderful cause, but it's irrelevant to World War II. And people don't understand this. It's not understood how destructive, utterly nihilistic it is. Why, by the way, so scatological? First, let me make my case. There are vast numbers of exhibits at leading museums in the world of scatological art. Vomit, excretion, uh, fecal matter, urine, uh, uh, Piss Christ, the famous crucifix in a jar of urine. I, I tweet it out. I tweet out very rarely, but because I don't have a comment immediately on everything. Well, I do on the air, but I, I don't in a tweet, which I think should be more immortal. So, uh, but recently I tweeted out the following. Let's see, if you put, let's see, something to this effect. If you put a Quran in a jar of urine, you're an Islamophobe. If you put a Torah in a jar of urine, you're an anti-Semite. If you put a crucifix in a jar of urine, you're an artist. That's how it works. By the way, isn't that interesting? There is no word for Christian hater. How is that possible? There are only people who hate Jews and Muslims. It just shows you how the left owns. It owns the vocabulary. In its morally distorted world. And there's no, there is a word for hatred of men, but nobody knows it. Misandry, but nobody knows it. We bought misogyny, you know. You just say, whoa, ish. Is Do you see the legs on that chick and you're a misogynist? Do you know how many teams have been suspended now from uh, all, uh, from the rest of their seasons at Harvard, Washington University, St. Louis at Princeton, because guys on the team spoke about the girl soccer team or the girl swim team in sexual terms, something unknown in, in male, in male life. It's an amazing thing, unique to these misogynists. Uh, the fecal matter issue, uh, let me just give you, so I piss Christ. Here's another one, Germany. Uh, the, uh, one of the biggest German uh, art awards a couple of years ago, more than a couple of years ago, about 10 years ago, went to an artwork. This is the sculpture. It is a sculpture of a German policewoman. I don't know why it's a policewoman crouching and urinating, and the urine is sculpted as well. There's a puddle that is sculpted. It won one of the biggest art awards in Germany, the uh, Orange County Museum of Contemporary Art in California, where I live. Uh, it's the, it, as you go in, there is a giant sculpture of a dog with its leg lifted above the museum, peeing, constantly peeing, by the way, which I thought was appropriate. Because I think that museum should be peed on. And I can't believe how revealing this was of, of the state of that museum. But that, so I could go on, I could give you a talk about the scatological and the left. Because they're nihilists and they're children, it is not possible to be mature and leftist in your thinking. You could be mature in many other areas, as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a, as even as a psychotherapist, I would go to a left-wing psychotherapist if they had insights into the micro. I, I, I understand that people are complex and they're divided, but wherever your views are left-wing, it reflects immaturity. And kids like to play with, with, with the scatological. You, you grow out of it though by about seven, but they don't. Grow, growing up is a, uh, a non-left-wing idea, and I have proof of that, incidentally. Prig University, I am proud to tell you, has 250 million views this year. It's the largest maker of conservative videos in the world, and one of the largest conservative sites in the world. I, I truly want to live to see it get to a billion. We, we intend to change people's minds. That is our task, in five minutes at a time. Now, we have put out videos on many, many, many subjects with many major, and uh, all major, but not all well-known, some well-known, some not. And uh, guess what are the two most hated subjects? And we we have put up everything, differences between left and right, Arguments against the progressive income tax. I mean, you know all sorts of subjects that you would think would elicit a great deal of hate and and many do But there is no comparison The number one most hated on the internet In other words simple sheer numbers of anguished hatred Are on our two videos advocating that men get married You should read, you should read the, uh, comments. You just go, go to the video and you, I don't care. You, you should see the video. It's only five minutes, either one, but you should see the comments. Hatred, hatred to such an extent. There are alternate videos made by people who wish to just dump on Prager University for coming out with a pro marriage message. The second most hated are our videos arguing for God's existence. Tells you a lot, doesn't it? Marriage and God, not economics, not politics, not left, right. It's amazing. Not America in the world, not the the defense of the United States on the world scene. I mean, they get a lot of opposition, but nothing like marriage and God. Uh, Another left wing victory and that is why i have said for years now and it is very very important and brings me to another chapter in this talk the most dynamic religion in the world in the last century century has been leftism not christianity unfortunately certainly not judaism i don't even i don't even <laughs> aspire to that Uh, I I wish but it's it's not in the realm of the feasible and I will tell you why in a moment Uh, and uh, uh, and not Islam not even Islam and not Mormonism for that matter which has been very dynamic by far the most dynamic religion has been leftism which owns education in the western world which owns the media of the western world I mean there's not much left after that (laughs) what else is there to own And uh, as I always put it, leftism has influenced Judaism and Christianity far more in the last hundred years than Judaism and Christianity have influenced the world. Judaism and Christianity have been largely irrelevant, and leftism has not only been relevant, it has deeply affected Judaism and Christianity. Most non-Orthodox rabbis are leftists. in their their values and Jewish in their ethnicity. They are Jewish ethnically, they are leftist philosophically. So is the Pope, not Jewish. The Pope is Catholic in theology and leftist in philosophy. The Pope has far more in common with the average reform and conservative rabbi than with uh, a conservative Catholic. And the reason is leftism. The Pope comes from Latin America. The Pope's comments have been be, be almost beyond belief. And by the way, this is painful because it is painful. It's more painful for me, actually, to criticize the Pope than to criticize the non-Orthodox, and I'm not Orthodox, the non-Orthodox rabbinate, uh, because I the, the Pope plays such a special role in the life of, of, of a Catholic. And I know that role. And 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 it hurts me, but I would lie, I would be lying, 100% lying to deny what I just said to you, that his values are left-wing, not Catholic. And the reason is he comes from Latin America. And Latin America, that's the issue, by the way. The issue with Latin American immigrants, pache the left, has nothing to do with race. There's no Latin American race. The idea is an absurdity It has nothing to do with race or ethnicity. It is values. Latin American values are not American values. If Latin American values were American values, Latin America would be rich. It's as simple as that. They have everything North America had land, uh, 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 indigenous produce, everything. It's a screwed-up continent. It's a screwed-up civilization because of leftism. That's why. Whatever the left touches, it ruins. Just remember that. It's the opposite of the Midas touch. The religions, uh, the religions have suffered terribly uh, from uh, leftism. Uh, that is why <laughs> you, you, uh, there are so many Jews who were opposed to Israel, because the left opposes Israel. And they get their cues from left, even Israel. You would think, I mean, I grew up where it was, it was a given. If you identified as a Jew, left, right, center, secular, religious, you were, you, you, you were passionately pro Israel. Not any longer. American Jews are leftists in their thinking and Jewish in their ethnicity. But I don't really give a damn about ethnicity, nor, in my opinion, does the Torah. That's a that sep- I'll be happy to amplify on that if you want later. But that's that's a separate. The Torah is doesn't care about blood. One of the greatnesses of the Torah. Uh, uh, it cares about values. And uh, anyway, the the influence of the left has been that profound. It it is basically the death knell for mainstream Protestantism. Uh, The, you know, the last hurrah of the Presbyterian Church USA uh, is is anti-Israel resolutions. The world is filled with evil, spectacular evil, and they isolate Israel for condemnation. You don't have to be pro-Israel to know this is morally ill. My worry in uh, Christianity uh, is uh, the evangelical community, which has been uh, a, a gift of God, uh, but uh, I am not. I don't know about the next generation. There is a there is a, a, a sort of an ideological civil war brewing within evangelical Christianity, uh, and uh, and to a certain extent, it really does. It doesn't revolve around but. As usual, the Jews are central to the difference, and that is, for example, uh, is is the, is replacement theology going to take over evangelical Christianity? When the when the Old Testament refers to Israel, was God kidding? That's really how I put it. It's not how they would put it, but it it it, it is, and 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 I am. There is no greater defender of Christianity. Uh, outside of Christianity, I, I don't believe, I think they were equally great, but I don't think there's a greater defender than myself. Uh, so uh, I, I feel free to therefore be critical when when I feel critical. The notion that God didn't mean Israel, but he meant the followers of Christ, is to render God a fool. And I hate when God is made to look stupid. It really bothers me. In fact, my most heretical comment ever in my life religiously was i said this on religion on the line many years ago god has common sense this drives believers crazy because they they depict god as devoid of common sense i have no issue none whatsoever with belief in christ i actually admire it it is a non issue to me i i uh, i am so pro uh, american christianity that Jews who were angry with me say, well, why doesn't Prager convert already? We're sick of all this pro-Christian talk. I mean, it's all over the internet. You'll find critiques like that. Because American Christians were awesome. They were, they were Hebrew Bible-centered. This is the one Judeo-Christian country that ever existed. And it's, it, it's being, it's in jeopardy because of the left, because of the infiltration of all of society and the infiltration of, of parts of, of Christianity. Uh, Jewish life uh, is, uh, is, uh, is 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 it, I, I can't tell you how sad Jewish life is. It's and it, it's almost across the board. Uh, there are exceptions all all over the place, obviously. But I, I grew up Orthodox. I went to yeshiva till I was eighteen. I wrote the the most widely used introduction to Judaism with with Joseph Telushkin, the one. That David Brog kindly mentioned and I and I've never ceased being involved in Jewish life or ceased being a committed Jew but uh he, here my, here is the uh here's my problem uh, with what I was with, with my only allies really as a group and that is Orthodox Jews and uh, it is a loving critique it is not, it is not nothing but that the uh, The orthodox world is not taking on the left or the secular world. It has retreated into halachic preoccupation. That's why I actually, that's why I left uh, orthodoxy. Not angrily. Uh, I have no problem saying it's the only hope right now in Judaism is in orthodox Judaism. A lot of people, uh, in fact, think I'm orthodox. I don't broadcast on Shemini Atzeret. This is a very funny thing. If you're, if you're not a Jew, the chances of your having, knowing what Shemini Atzeret are, are as close to zero as exists in the numerical sphere. <laughs> Shemini Atzeret is the day of assembly, the eighth day of assembly. It is after the seventh day of the tabernacles of Sukkot. And it is a Torah holiday as much as Passover, it, you're not allowed to work, and I don't. Whenever any Jew finds out I don't broadcast on Shmini Atzeret, they immediately assume I'm orthodox. And I always have said, what a commentary on conservative and reformed Jews, that if you don't work on a Torah holiday, you must be orthodox. It's just, a fun, it's just an interesting little sidebar. By the way, it's a great story. I don't know how many of you know Larry Elder. If you don't, you really should. He is one of the most articulate uh, conservatives alive, and he happens to be black, and I had the honor of bringing him to radio. He now has a national show as of about six months ago, and you can hear him in, in just about any of your cities, including here in New York. Anyway, uh, so I used to be on ABC in L.A., With Larry after I brought him on he had the afternoon show after me I was gonna have the drive time but I don't broadcast Shabbat so I couldn't broadcast Friday afternoons and so I did that's how I ended up at 12 to 3. at the time there, and I'm 12 to 3 now, Eastern, 9 to 12, Western. But in any event, he would be after me. And we'd always do this throw, throw off, you know, Hey, Larry, come on in. What are you going to talk about, Larry? And then we'd banter and I would insult him every day. I insulted him. Uh, he didn't know what uh, the insult would be. Anyway, so one day he says, Dennis, I hear you're off tomorrow. Are you sick? I said, No, Larry, it's a Jewish holiday. He said, Really? Oh, okay. What holiday? I said, Larry, Sheminiyatzeret. Okay, the guy's a black guy from the ghetto of South Central, where Sheminiyatzerot is not a big deal. I just just for the record, it's not a reflection on anyone. And uh, so he goes, What? I said, Larry, you've never heard of Sheminiyatserat? Yes, it's a biblical holiday, Larry. And he goes, Come on, Dennis. You made it up. You just want tomorrow off. <laughs> to this day, he thinks I use Shmini as a way of taking a day off. He he does not believe the thing exists. It is just is very funny. He he and he is very funny. But anyway, uh, Jewish life uh, is uh, is the the people that I could rely on don't don't fight. the 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 preoccupation is more and more. Except with, there are exceptions, some of them are here in fact, but it, it is, uh, you know, can we, and I don't mean this, I'm not saying this as, as a belittling line, even though I don't I don't admire it, but it's not meant that way. But whether there are microscopic bugs in lettuce is more significant to a serious segment of orthodoxy than how the left is ruining civilization. Then h- here's this. Than same-sex marriage, the number of Orthodox Jews who spoke out against same-sex marriage is close to zero. They don't fight the fight, and uh, I don't have to be taught any lessons on tolerance of gays. Who might not only—it's—it's t- it, it's beyond tolerance. Uh, I—they are—they are part of my life, family-wise. Uh, they are part of my life. Professionally, we have videos with lesbians and, and gay males who give the videos. One of the biggest supporters of Prager University is a gay man who, with his partner, I don't think they married, otherwise it would have said his spouse or his husband. I have two kids. My wife and I love those kids, love that couple. And they all, and my niece is a lesbian who is married to a woman and I love them both and I love their kids and believe it or not, they love me. And I am one of the most outspoken opponents of redefining marriage. Uh, and I have a motto on how you can walk this seemingly fine line. You have to have compassion in the micro and standards in the macro. That is how you walk that line. I will not drop my standards but i will never stop loving you and you got to mean it you can't just say it you got to mean it and i mean it but uh if if orthodox jewry couldn't oppose the redefinition of marriage to include members of the same sex for the first time in recorded human history it had never happened the the, the torah i am my my ultimate ambition is to finish my 35-year project of a commentary on the Torah, and I'm, I'm now truly well on the way. It's recorded, but I'm—it's uh, much more ambitious in the writing. I want to tell you something about the Torah and homosexuality that you probably don't know, and that is life-changing when you know it. I wrote a paper about 25 years ago for my first publication called Ultimate Issues on Judaism, homosexuality, and civilization. It was 17,000 words. I needed for my sake to understand the Torah banning male homosexual relations. Because I believe in the Torah and I also believe that a man shouldn't be alone. And that includes being with a man if he can't be with a woman. And there are such men. There are men who who find women completely uninteresting. As a heterosexual that is unbelievable, but I believe it. I know it. Anyway, uh, so I needed to figure it out, and I did. And I wrote this paper, and needless to say, it got a big award from Christians. <laughs> it's amazing. It got 25 years ago, a $10,000 award, which is not a Nobel Prize, but I'm only mentioning the number because it's a serious number for one article, as given by a a a Christian foundation, on one work on religion written that year. And uh, they had they had seen that, and it, it 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 is an important thing, and I will publish it after my commentary on the Torah, because I don't want it to divert attention from the Torah commentary, which it will do. But this is what I learned, and this is eye opening. Everyone, including me, thinks that the Torah's ban on male homosexual relations simply codified the quote unquote homophobia that everybody, that every nation had. That's all. It was, the Torah was just part of its times against homosexuality and it codified it and that was it. Well, here is the historical truth every society was okay with male homosexuality every we do not know of an exception not ancient China not ancient Japan not ancient uh, Mesopotamia not ancient Egypt not ancient Mesoamerica not the American Indians not the South American Indians every culture not just the Greeks not only allowed for male homosexuality, if you could afford it, preferred boy, and I don't mean pre-pubescent. Uh, I just mean young, like 15. Just like male heterosexuals love teenage girls, so do male homosexuals love teenage boys. It is not, this is not pedophilia. Okay. It's very important. That's sick. This is not sick. This is just. This is normal, if you will. They loved boys. Women were for babies. Boys were for joy. The Torah was the first document in history to say you must confine sex to marriage. Meaning with a woman. It eroticized, the Torah eroticized marriage. It is a staggering achievement that nobody knows about. It's just called homophobic. Everybody was homophobic in those days, and that ends the issue. There are Egyptian prayers of anal intercourse with the gods. Prayers. That's how common it was. It's hard for for those of you who are straight, as they say, straight males in this room, to, to imagine this. But it proves how deeply society affects human sexuality. That I can't relate to male anal intercourse is, I believe, more a product of society than it is of genes. Because when it is fostered, it seems to blossom. Unless you believe Greek men, for example, were genetically different from uh, contemporary American men. But none of this is known, and again, my—I don't want to lose this, the the point. The point was, the defenders of the Torah should be Orthodox Jewry. I've given up on Reform and Conservative and Reconstructions. I've given up on them. So it should be the Orthodox, but they're too busy with halacha. And uh, and not all obviously Christians. Well, the, the liberal Christians forget it. They agree with the left, so that that they're gone. But whether Catholic or or Protestant. And uh, not all of the, uh, uh, not all even now of the, if you will, the Orthodox small o Christians, are on, on our side in this matter. So who's gonna, who's gonna, who's gonna fight? Who's fighting the scourge of our time, leftism? Very few people. Do you know this will blow your minds? Well, and if it doesn't, it should. I uh, was invited to to address privately about a dozen US senators uh, during the George W. Bush uh, era, and I have a living witness to this. (laughs) Alan Estrin, my dear friend, the producer of my show, the man whose idea Prager University was, it wasn't my idea, uh, he was there with me. And he heard me say to them, I'm telling you, you need to pass an amendment to the Constitution defining marriage as between one man and one woman while you have the presidency and, and Congress. Every single one of them looked at me like I had landed from a spaceship. They said, it'll never happen. The courts will always throw it out. Dennis, let's move on. They really, they thought I was silly. The, the As I say, there's a, a war for Western civilization, but only one side is fighting. You can't win when only one side fights. It's mind-blowing, mind but that's the case. So Ju- Judeo-Christian values are under siege from leftism, under siege from all of the left within the religions, uh, ignored uh, by many of the religious, as I have just pointed out uh, pointed out to you. Oh, by the way, I said the Pope, and I, uh, perhaps I didn't uh, back up my comments on how disastrous his views are. Uh, but I'll give you just one example. There are many. I wrote. I wrote about this uh, in, in uh, at least one column. Uh, the most recent is five days after a Catholic priest had his throat slit by a Muslim shouting "Allahu Akbar" in France. The Pope was flying back from World Youth Day in Poland. On the papal plane was the representative of the French Catholic news agency who asked, Holy Father, how come you never, I'm paraphrasing. You can get the actual transcript from my column or anywhere else on the internet. Uh, Holy Father, how come you so rarely or never speak about Islamic terror? And, and I'm going to paraphrase his answer. His answer is worse. I'm understating the answer. The answer is worse than what I'm saying, but I don't, I never want to overstate. And it was essentially, well, why would I? I don't speak against Catholic terror every time a a, a, a Catholic kills his girlfriend, a baptized Catholic kills his girlfriend. So every time a, a baptized Catholic Italian kills his girlfriend is the same, even though the guy never went to church in his life, is the same as a guy, as all these people slaughtering people in the name of Allah. All right. And of course, you know, capitalism, uh, is as evil as a communism or fascism. I mean, the, the, it's, it's, it's an endless stream of leftist, uh, ideas that, uh, that are coming from this Pope. So I just wanted I, I don't make the, I I never make generalizations without, without a specific backup. So this is, this is the problem in a nutshell. I I want to conclude because I want you to have, I want to have time for dialogue with you. My column that's coming out tomorrow, I'd love you to see town hall, national view, basically all the conservative sites have put it out. So you can just go to my site. But anyway, it is about the, the every year there are fewer and fewer Christmas decorations in the United States. You can travel entire neighborhoods in L.A. or New York or Philadelphia, any urban center, and not see a single home decorated or maybe one home. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I grew up in an Italian and Jewish neighborhood. And it, it, there were so many homes on my block, beautifully decorated, that you basically, I knew as a kid, if it wasn't decorated, it was a Jewish home because a non-Jew decorates his home for Christmas. And I loved it, by the way. I loved it. It made the season so special. Secularism is joyless. Among its many horrible things, it's only good for one thing, government. It has no other uh, benefit. Secularism is a disaster. Disaster. Uh, and by the way, the proof, there is a proof, the university. The place where moral idiocy, you get degrees in moral idiocy. <laughs> advanced degrees, higher degrees, is the university. It is the most moral idiotic institution in the Western world. And why? Because it's the godless one. It's the most godless. If you ever need a one- sentence example of the impact of secularism on morality point to the university where everything is upside down. And I, by the way, I will just tell you, and then I'll come back to the decorations. I will just tell you how I learned this. And in, it's an article I wrote many years ago. You could, it's on the internet. Everything is on the internet. In fact, whenever I want to look up anything I said, I look up on the internet. It, it, it is so eerie. I can't tell you. And I uh, I wrote a piece many years ago, How I Found God at Columbia. I went to graduate school at Columbia University. And I, I remember uh, going, I was at the School of International Affairs. And I was learning <clears throat> drivel. <laughs> I was learning, for example, in my specialty, which was the Soviet Union, Russian language and, and communism, I was learning that the US and the USSR were equally responsible for the Cold War. Truman and, and Stalin were equally responsible. Uh, it, it's, it, you have to be an intellectual to believe that. Anyway, and I, of course, learned that men and women are basically the same, that it's only society that makes them different. <clears throat> and uh, so this, I, I, I was puzzled. I, I, why are so many bright people believing and teaching idiocy? And then I give you my word. What happened was, out of nowhere, walking in the middle of Columbia's, you know, small campus, relatively small campus, uh, it hit me. And a phrase that I said from kindergarten on in yeshiva, which is from uh, from the, the Bible, and Christians here will certainly know it, wisdom begins with fear of God. Of course, it came into me in Hebrew, Reshid Chochmairat Hashem. Wisdom begins with fear of God. Well, it was almost as if God had implanted that memory in me. That was the answer to my question. The reason that university is so stupid is because there is no God there. No God, no wisdom. And that's a fact. That's not even an opinion. That's a fact. Read the New York Times editorial page. And that, that is proof of what happens when there's no wisdom there. There is none. It is wisdom free. It's like, you know, the, you know gun free, tobacco free. Welcome to the wisdom free New York Times editorial page. And that's what happens. That doesn't mean everyone who believes in God is wise, Uh, if only. There are a lot of religious fools. But I don't know secular wisdom. There is no secular wisdom. There are individual secular people who have nuggets of wisdom. There's no question. But there's no secular wisdom is an oxymoron. How could there be secular wisdom? Secular means there is no God. There is no God. There is no meaning. How could you have wisdom based on no meaning? it, 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 it doesn't it can't it can't be I am now going to give you meaningless wisdom Thank you <laughs> When I walk around when I drive around and see no uh, No Christmas decorations I, I really lament, and I realize what, what secularism has done. It, it's, it, it's not only that it, it's killed wisdom. That that's not, has nothing to do with decorations. It kills joy. I meet a lot of kids. Kids call my show. This is a generalization which has exceptions, but is a, a valid generalization. Religious kids are more joy-filled than secular kids Christian and Jewish they they are more innocent they are less jaded they smile more easily they they just are happier and by the way it's true for adults every every poll acknowledges even the secular admit this that the religious are happier than the secular they just say it's well you know these people believe in stupidity and the stupidity makes them happy Okay, that's no. It's what they say. That's fine. No, I'm not arguing its legitimacy. I'm just arguing a an existential fact. Religious kids have more joy in their lives. Now you can go so far right in religion that it becomes oppressive, that, and then then I, I I obviously everything can be overdone. But generally speaking, you know, th- you know the the. The secular family. You know, a guy called me. It was great. A religious guy he said, uh, "Dennis, I just want to tell you, my son-in-law is secular, and um, he, I love him, and you know, and, and I'm sure he does, and he should." He said, "I just want to tell you, uh, I asked him since you don't celebrate Christmas, what do you celebrate?" He lives in Nebraska, so this is relevant. He, uh, that is the son-in-law said. So my son-in-law said, "The first snow." Isn't that cool? And I mean, that that is so exciting. I, to think the family sitting around singing snow carols and lighting a snow tree, and you know, the birth of the uh, messianic snow. And uh, it's just, I just, I just thought, wow, this guy's really got it. He really. He really knows how to bring joy to his life can you imagine that the first effing snow (laughs) it's funny it is you're allowed to laugh it's hilarious it's so i i really know how to believe it or not i know how to control myself i i don't i very rarely have said anything on radio three hours a day live and regretted it later i'm i this time I, i wasn't sure if i went too far and I, so he said, I, I, thought, I thought that was uh, an odd thing for my son-in-law to say. And I, so I just said, I, actually, sir, it's not my son-in-law, so let me just say my word would be asinine. So I, 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 read, I didn't know if later that was too hard on a father-in-law about his son-in-law, but he didn't disagree. So I don't know. But can you imagine that? And, and others, oh, the winter solstice. By the way, what do people in Florida do who can't celebrate? There's no universality about the first snow. Do you realize how anti-African that comment is? I mean, think about it. It's the most racist comment a man could come out with. The snow is white. Black Africa gets no snow. It's a disgusting comment. This is the world we live in. It's the absurd secularism breeds absurdity this is this is what the son-in-law has decided beats christ the first snow so when i see no decorations i'll tell you what it reminds me of i i visited many communist countries in the heyday of the cold war as i said that was my field i went all over eastern europe i went to the soviet union went to well i went to china yeah, i went to china uh, right after Mao died, and you could, you could go in. The first thing that strikes any visitor to a communist country is how dull, how lifeless, how colorless. And that's what I think when I go through neighborhoods with no Christmas decorations, that I'm revisiting the lifeless world of the Soviet Union. Thank you very much.